Chapter One, Part Two of The Gold Hunters by J. D. Borthwick. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Sue Anderson. We managed to get through the night somehow, and about three o'clock in the morning, as the moon began to give sufficient light to let us see where we were, we got under way again and after a couple of hours hard pulling we arrived at the place we had expected to reach the evening before it was a very beautiful little spot a small natural clearing on the top of a high bank on which were one or two native huts and a canvas establishment which had been set up by a yankee and was called a hotel we went to this hotel and found some twenty or thirty fellow travelers who had there enjoyed a night's rest and were now just sitting down to breakfast at a long rough table which occupied the greater part of the house the kitchen consisted of a cooking stove in one corner and opposite to it was the bar which was supplied with a few bottles of bad brandy while a number of canvas shelves ranged all around constituted a dormitory we made up for the loss of our supper by eating a hearty breakfast of ham beans and eggs and started again in company with our more fortunate fellow-travellers the weather was once more bright and clear and confined as we were between the densely wooded and steaming banks of the river we found the heat most oppressive we saw numbers of parrots of brilliant plumage and a great many monkeys and alligators at which there was a constant discharge of pistols and rifles our passage being further enlivened by an occasional race with some of the other boats the river still continued to become more rapid and our progress was consequently very slow the two sailors were quite unable to work all day at the oars the owner of the boat was a useless encumbrance he could not even steer so the gardener and myself were again obliged occasionally to exert ourselves the fact is the boat was overloaded two men were not a sufficient crew and if we had not worked ourselves we should never have got to cruces i wanted the other passengers to do their share of work for the common good but some protested they did not know how to pull others pleaded bad health and the rest very coolly said that having paid their money to be taken to cruces they expected to be taken there and would not pull a stroke they did not care how long they might be on the river it was evident that we had made a bad bargain and if those other fellows would not lend a hand it was only the more necessary that someone else should it was rather provoking to see them sitting doggedly under their umbrellas but we could not well pitch them overboard or put them ashore and i comforted myself with the idea that their turn would certainly come notwithstanding their obstinacy after a tedious day during which we had as before deluges of rain with intervals of scorching sunshine 
we arrived about six o'clock at a native settlement where we were to spend the night it was a small clearing with merely two or three huts inhabited by eight or ten miserable-looking natives mostly women their lazy listless way of doing things did not suit the humor we were in at all the invariable reply to all demands for something to eat and drink was poco tiempo by and by said in that sort of tone one would use to a troublesome child they knew very well we were at their mercy we could not go anywhere else for our supper and they took it easy accordingly we succeeded at last in getting supper in installments now a mouthful of ham now an egg or a few beans and then a cup of coffee just as they would make up their minds to the violent exertion of getting these articles ready for us about half a dozen other boatloads of passengers were also stopping here some fifty or sixty of us altogether and three small shanties were the only shelter to be had the native population crowded into one of them and in consideration of sundry dollars allowed us the exclusive enjoyment of the other two they were mere sheds about fifteen feet square open all around but as the rain was again pouring down we thought of the night before and were thankful for small mercies i secured a location with three or four others in the upper story of one of these places a sort of loft made of bamboos about eight feet from the ground to which we climbed by means of a pole with notches cut in it the next day we found the river more rapid than ever oars were now useless we had to pole the boat up the stream and at last the patience of the rest of the party was exhausted and they reluctantly took their turn at the work we hardly made twelve miles and halted in the evening at a place called dos hermanos where were two native houses here we found already about fifty fellow travelers and several parties arrived after us on the native landlord we were all dependent for supper but we at least were a little too late as there was nothing to be had but boiled rice and coffee not even beans there were a few live chickens about which we would soon have disposed of but cooking was out of the question it was raining furiously and there were sixty or seventy of us all huddled into two small places of fifteen feet square together with a number of natives and jamaica negroes the crews of some of the boats several of the passengers were in different stages of drunkenness generally developing itself in a desire to fight and more particularly to pitch into the natives and niggers there seemed a prospect of a general set-to between black and white which would have been a bloody one as all the passengers had either a revolver or bowie knife most of them had both and the natives were provided with their machetes half knife half cutlass which they always carry and know how to use 
many of the americans however were of the better class and used their influence to quiet the more unruly of their countrymen one man made a most touching appeal to their honor not to kick up a muss as there was a lady of their own color in the next room who was in a state of great agitation the two rooms opened into each other and were so full of men that one could hardly turn around and the lady of our own color was of course a myth however the more violent of the crowd quieted down a little and affairs looked more pacific we passed a most miserable night we lay down as best we could and were packed like sardines in a box all wanted to sleep but if one man moved he woke half a dozen others who again in waking roused all the rest so sleep was like our supper only to be enjoyed in imagination and all we could do was to wait intently for daylight as soon as we could see we all left the wretched place none of us much improved in temper or in general condition it was still raining and we had the pleasure of knowing that we should not get any breakfast for two or three hours we had another severe day on the river hot sun heavy rains and hard work and in the afternoon we arrived at gorgona a small village where a great many passengers leave the river and take the road to panama cruces is about seven miles further up the river and from there the road to panama is said to be much better especially in wet weather when the gorgona road is almost impassable the village of gorgona consisted of a number of native shanties built in the usual style of thin canes between any two of which you might put your finger and fastened together in basket fashion with the long woody tendrils with which the woods abound the roof is of palm leaves slanting up to a great height so as to shed the heavy rains some of these houses have only three sides others have only two while some have none at all being open all around and in all of them might be seen one or more natives swinging in a hammock calmly and patiently waiting for time to roll on or it may be deriving intense enjoyment from the mere consciousness of existence there was a large canvas house on which was painted gorgona hotel it was kept by an american the most unwholesome looking individual i had yet seen he was the very personification of fever we had here a very luxurious dinner having plantains and eggs in addition to the usual fare of ham and beans the upper story of the hotel was a large loft so low in the roof that one could not stand straight up in it in this there were sixty or seventy beds so close together that there was just room to pass between them and as those at one end became tenanted the passages leading to them were filled up with more beds in such a manner that when all were put up not an inch of the floor could be seen 
after our fatigues on the river and the miserable way in which we had passed the night before such sleeping accommodation as this appeared very inviting and immediately after dinner i appropriated one of the beds and slept even on till daylight we met here several men who were returning from panama on their way home again they had been waiting there for some months for a steamer by which they had tickets for san francisco and which was coming around the horn she was long overdue however and having lost patience they were going home in the vain hope of getting damages out of the owner of the steamer if they had been very anxious to go to california they might have sold their tickets and taken the opportunity of a sailing vessel from panama but from the way in which they spoke of their grievances it was evident that they were homesick and glad of any excuse to turn tail and go back again we had frequently on our way up the river seen different parties of our fellow passengers at gorgona we mustered strong and we found that notwithstanding the disadvantage we had been under of having an overloaded boat we had made as good time as any of them a great many here took the road for panama but we determined to go on by the river to cruces for the sake of the better road from that place all our difficulties hitherto were nothing to what we encountered in these last few miles it was one continual rapid all the way and in many places some of us were obliged to get out and tow the boat while the rest used the poles we were all heartily disgusted with the river and were satisfied when we arrived at cruces that we had got over the worst of the isthmus for however bad the road might be it could not be harder travelling than we had already experienced cruces was just such a village as gorgona with a similar canvas hotel kept by equally cadaverous-looking americans in establishing their hotels at different points on the chagres river the americans encountered great opposition from the natives who wished to reap all the benefits of the travel themselves but they were too many centuries behind the age to have any chance in fair competition and so they resorted to personal threats and violence till the persuasive eloquence of colt's revolvers and the overwhelming numbers of american travellers convinced them that they were wrong and that they had better submit to their fate one branch of business which the natives had all to themselves was mule driving and carrying baggage over the road from cruces to panama and at this they had no competition to fear from any one the luggage was either packed on mules or carried on men's backs being lashed into a sort of wicker-work contrivance somewhat similar to those used by french porters and so adjusted with straps that the weight bore directly down on the shoulders it was astonishing to see what loads these men could carry over such a road and it really seemed inconsistent with their indolent character that they should perform so actively 
such prodigious feats of labor two hundred and fifty pounds weight was an average load for a man to walk off with doing the twenty-five miles to panama in a day and a half and some men carried as much as three hundred pounds they were well made and muscular though not large men and were apparently more of the negro than the indian the journey to panama was generally performed on mules but frequently on foot and as the rest of our party intended to walk i determined also to forego the luxury of a mule so having engaged men to carry our baggage we set out about two o'clock in the afternoon the weather was fine and for a short distance out of cruces the road was easy enough and we were beginning to think we should have a pleasant journey but we were very soon undeceived for it commenced to rain in the usual style and the road became most dreadful it was a continual climb over the rocky beds of precipitous gullies the gully itself perhaps ten or twelve feet deep and the dense wood on each side meeting overhead so that no fresh air relieved one in toiling along we could generally see rocks sticking up out of the water on which to put our feet but we were occasionally for a considerable distance up to the knees in water and mud the steep banks on each side of us were so close together that in many places two packed mules could not pass each other sometimes indeed even a single mule got jammed by the trunk projecting on either side of him it was a most fatiguing walk when it did not rain the heat was suffocating and when it rained it poured there was a place called the halfway house to which we looked forward anxiously as the end of our day's journey and as it was kept by an american we expected to find it a comparatively comfortable place but our disappointment was great when about dark we arrived at this halfway house and found it to be a miserable little tent not much more than twelve feet square on entering we found some eight or ten travellers in the same plight as ourselves tired hungry wet through and with aching limbs the only furniture in the tent consisted of a rough table three feet long and three cots the ground was all wet and sloppy and the rain kept dropping through the canvas overhead there were only two plates and two knives and forks in the establishment so we had to pitch into the salt pork and beans two at a time while the rest of the crowd stood round and looked at us for the cots were the only seats in the place and they were so rickety that not more than two men could sit on them at a time more travellers continued to arrive and as the prospect of a night in such a place was so exceedingly dismal i persuaded our party to return about half a mile to a native hut which we had passed on the road to take our chance of what accommodation we could get there 
we soon arranged with the woman who seemed to be the only inhabitant of the house to allow us to sleep in it and as we were all thoroughly soaked every sort of waterproof coat having proved equally useless after the few days severe trial we had given them we looked out anxiously for any of the natives coming along with our trunks in the meantime i borrowed a towel from the old woman of the shanty and as it was now fair i went into the bush and got one of our two sailors who had stuck by us to rub me down as hard as he could this entirely removed all pain and stiffness and though i had to put on my wet clothes again i felt completely refreshed not long afterwards a native made his appearance carrying the trunk of one of the party who very generously supplied us all from it with dry clothes when we betook ourselves to our couches they were not luxurious being a number of dried hides laid on the floor as hard as so many sheets of iron and full of bumps and hollows but they were dry which was all we cared about for we thought of the poor devils sleeping in the mud in the halfway house the next morning as we proceeded on our journey the road gradually improved as the country became more open we were much refreshed by a light breeze off the sea which we found a very agreeable change from the damp and suffocating heat of the forest and about midday after a pleasant forenoon's walk we strolled into the city of panama end of chapter one part two